This is Small Business as Usual, a program about the art of operating small enterprises and the issues faced by the owners. It's a presentation of the Community Economic Development Fund in Meriden, Connecticut. I'm Frederick Welk, a business advisor for CEDF clients. The Community Economic Development Fund is a nonprofit lender providing financing to qualified small businesses in Connecticut that can't obtain traditional bank financing. More about CEDF at the end of the program. This episode explores right place, right time, right customer. Wouldn't it be a dream to work on a project that produced such outstanding results that it seemed like the rest of the industry was going to be the path to your door? And then you figured out how to turn your ideas into a business and the users loved it. Ah, but in your niche, the users aren't your customers and the customers weren't nearly as ready to light up when you offered your service. In fact, they were years behind the curve. And besides, they don't have a lot of money for your brilliant idea. So do you quit or wait until the stars line up? Well, I'll let the guy at the center of this story tell it. And once again, I have Nelson Merchant, an advisor for the Connecticut Small Business Development Center, to thank for the introduction to his exceptional client. So my name is Richard Portalance. I am the CEO and founder of CareerPath Mobile. We like to say we help students go from learning to doing. And what that means for us is engaging students in a process to allow them to see the opportunities so that they can make better decisions. We happen to do that through a digital technology. So CareerPath is a platform with a SaaS solution, so software as a service. We have a mobile tool set for students where they can see signposted milestones that were presented by the school or by an employer and then start to work down those pathways. And once they're comfortable and they found something that they really want to apply towards, whether it's an internship or a job, our mechanism allows them to present themselves to employers as a ready candidate. So back about five years ago, we were doing an assignment. I was part of an agency at that time, and our background was on technology solutions, and we were working for Valparaiso Law School. The assignment at that time was a, a rebranding of the law school and also developing a, a website and some communication pieces. And the executive director asked me, he said, Richard, would you please come to our career center? We have an issue and it's outcomes. As a law school, if you're not above the 90th percentile in, in terms of job placement, then you're really in trouble. And so they were at about 84% for their job placement within six months of graduation. And he asked me to do an assessment, why they were coming out so low, how they could improve that outcome. And so as a marketing agency, we went ahead with the traditional qualitative and quantitative studies, in-depth interviews with students and professors at the university. And we came back with an assessment and a recommendation. And what we found was they had this 87-page book which defined each of the three years you were in law school, what you needed to do to become job ready. And if you really followed that program, you were going to get a job. Problem was that book was a coaster in the dorm room of most of the students. They, no one read it. Their completion rate for that program was 17%. So we said, you know, let's put this into some kind of digital format. All the students, when we interviewed them, said, if you could put it on my mobile device, it'd be terrific. So that's what we did. We built a little app, and we connected it to their back-end system, and we were able to feed in the content of that book 
on a milestone basis. So in September, the students would see, here's two things you can do to be career ready. In October, here's a couple more. And then we did something unique. We compared them to their cohort on each task. And so they could see 87% of their classmates had finished that particular item. That was a kick in the pants to get them going. So after that first year, we did an assessment, and it turned out that their completion rate went up to 84% from that 17%. So they had a really terrific engagement of the students. Their walk-in rate, though, was the amazing thing. It went up 300%. They were getting many more students coming for advising appointments and just generally asking questions to be more prepared. So there was a direct correlation between the activity on the mobile device and what was happening at the career center. So as a result, we ended up working with them to write a white paper. You know, here's what we discovered. And I forgot about the assignment and went away. And so about two months later, I get a call from the director of professional services up at Dartmouth College. And he said, Richard, I spoke to Valparaiso. They have released the IP and wanted me to talk to you directly about building that same program here at Dartmouth. And that's when the light bulb went on that we really had something that was potentially viable as as a business. And so after spending two days at Dartmouth, we decided to go ahead and build out CareerPath as a standalone application, no longer relying on the back-end system. And we launched it the next year, and we had an increase in freshman class engagement of 153%. And that was measured by existing touch points, not the mobile device. Because you could say, you know, well, it went up 1,000% because you're using this mobile device. But we measured walk-in rates to the career center, appointments to advising, and people who went to the career-related events with employers, etc. So it was a really tremendous success that first year at Dartmouth as well. What we discovered, and the guy at Dartmouth was very entrepreneurial. The gentleman at Valparaiso was a former VP at Citibank. He was used to moving at the speed of of the economy. The gentleman from Dartmouth had worked as a marketing consultant. He owned his own advertising agency and he got into career advising later in life. And so both guys were incredibly forward thinking compared to the rest of the marketplace of career services. So what happened was we were probably three years too early for the marketplace, even though we were seeing this terrific adoption rate at two places. Most of the schools that we presented to after that weren't even in the mobile mindset. They had no clue. They All their tools, there were desktop solutions, and, and they just couldn't even get over that chasm. So we were definitely too early for this marketplace compared to you know normal marketplaces that I would have traditionally dealt with. You know, mobile would have been something that they wanted right away the uh, university market wasn't ready. So students absolutely love it. And every student that we surveyed and spoke to, they all got it. So we had a problem. The middleman, the school, wasn't ready to adopt something that the students were ready for and the marketplace was ready for. Once we saw that there was a timing issue, we decided to slow the cogs down a little bit. So we very thoughtfully planned out the next couple of years in terms of our cash flow. We curtailed our spending. We made sure that any dollar spent was very thoughtfully planned, that it was going to help advance the platform, but not go so far as to take it out of the realm of possibility for what we would see in the next couple of years that would be adopted. So we wanted to make sure that 
while it may not be widely adopted today, we were A, getting data, so we continued to work with Dartmouth and a few other schools and really tracking those numbers so we could have some case studies. And then B, we kept that spend rate way down, you know, to the point where investors look at us today and say, you spend how much and how little in order to get to where you are today? But it was important because we wouldn't have survived if we kind of kept going at that same spend rate. In terms of phone usage, it's obviously risen tremendously. Even though the students were on board in 2014, I think the percentage at that point was about 80% of the students that were using a mobile device. Now it's at 100 or 99%. So it's risen. And also the adoption of SaaS platforms within the school environment has likewise risen to the point where now it's, it's universally accepted as this is the way we need to do business in order to integrate platforms and, and be thoughtful. No longer is it one platform can solve all our needs, it's multiple platforms can come in who have specific purpose, integrated together will provide a better solution. So the mindset on the consumer has changed, the consumer being the school. From the adoption point of the students, it's only just gotten better. So I think you're seeing that the laggards in terms of adoption, and you always have those adoption cycles, right? The early adopters, then the mainstream, and then the the laggards. Uh, I think a lot of the administrators within school marketplaces were laggards. And they finally have come around. And so now that you have that there, it, it, it breaks down a lot of barriers. So I think what we've accomplished is really we've spent a lot of time to understand the marketplace. We've spoken to, it has to be over 150 schools. We've gone to different conferences. We've gone from being a, a listener to an active participant in the marketplace. And maybe in some senses, we've become experts in certain aspects of it. And becoming a thought leader was in our mind, something that was going to help propel us forward in the future. You know, you don't walk into a field as a thought leader, typically, especially since we had the timing wrong. We we weren't. We didn't have the background that was particular to this segment of the industry, career services, which had a couple major issues. One, they have very little budget. And two, they're understaffed at almost every university. And so that was the other part about learning the industry that we needed to, to grasp was, yes, we have a tool that works. Yes, the students like it. But the people that were in charge were not only uh, laggards in terms of adoption of technology, but they were severely underfunded and severely understaffed in most every instance. So how do we get around that? So over the past few years, we've really been able to understand the market, adjust our business model. So we're not we're no longer selling directly to the career services office. We're starting to sell to businesses who want to promote themselves at career services offices. So it makes the model a little bit more complex, but we know that there's a real need on the business side to have additional presence. And for them to have presence as early as freshman year really makes a difference. So, so adopting our business model and finding uh, ways in which to develop content for the system that schools can use so it can be a turnkey solution rather than us giving them a tool that's kind of an empty box. Now we give them a tool that's filled up to the brim with content so they can launch it day one. They don't have to do anything other than turn on the ignition and let their students use it. And it's a useful solution. 
I think that being in the right place at the right time can happen happenstance or can happen thoughtfully. And in our case, it happened thoughtfully because we saw that we were early and we kind of hunkered down and became patient, waiting for the market to catch up. In other cases, you know, you can see Facebook, they were serendipitous. You know, Zuckerberg saw the mar a market or a need for students to connect to one another. He had no idea that that was going to explode and have that pervasive growth outside of the school industry so quickly. So that was serendipitous that the market timing was just so perfect that he was able to see that huge growth right away. For us, we see that now that the market is right, we're seeing some things come into play that are right place, right times. For instance, the manufacturing community here in the state of Connecticut is really trying to grasp how they're going to reinforce their stable of workers over the next 10 years. There's already a 15,000 person shortage within that community. And they're trying to make those connection points to the community college system and the technical high school system. So CareerPath is offering a solution to bring those together. And our goal here in Connecticut will be for every high school student and every college student to have access to CareerPath so they can see those opportunities both in the manufacturing community as well as other job possibilities in the state. You have to become a student of the market and you have to speak to people, go to events. You have to take the time to to really analyze that marketplace and, and be willing to adjust. If you have a fixed mindset as an entrepreneur, you're probably going to go down in flames pretty quickly. I think you have to have that growth mindset. There's always a path. You just have to find it and be willing to adopt to what the market demands. And that's certainly what we've done. If you had asked me four years ago, if manufacturing was going to be a big push, I would have probably told you you're crazy. But based on what we've found and saw and read and, and then experienced and, and spoke to people about, that came out as an acute need. And if our product can solve for that need, then why not adopt to it? As it turns out, then it all can pull together and it, it frankly gives us even bigger market than we originally saw. I think that you have to be honest with yourself. It could be, I missed the market or the market's not here yet. And if you've missed the market, you have to be really brutally honest. Be willing to listen to people. And if you missed it, you missed it. And you have to move on, lick your wounds, sh shut it down. Because putting good money after bad will only put you into a worse financial position. It's better to kind of take, take the medicine and move on. But from a, a standpoint, if you're early for the market, then ask yourself the critical questions if you can wait for that market to catch up. And if you can, whether it's spending less money or take a job for a couple year period as the market starts to grow and adopt, you know, there's always um, opportunity if you're willing to, again, have that growth mindset. So I would say cut ties quick if it's passed or figure out a strategy for patients if it's not here yet. Build up a good set of advisors who have experience in that marketplace and listen to that advice and be able to aggregate it. Ultimately, you're responsible for the decisions you make. You can't blame anybody else if it fails, but you have to assimilate all that information. But if you don't have the experts on board, if you don't have outside influence, then your thought process is going to be myopic. That's a very dangerous position. No one person can solve everything, and you may have some great ideas, but 
perspective is really critical. And that's what we found over the last few years. In my first business, I had very little perspective. With this business, we've brought in experts from lots of different industries. I have a large advisory board, both women and men, and I think that's a critical component. Make sure you have a diverse advisory board. Don't be afraid to ask because most people who have been successful, they want to help. And that's what we found. And so we probably have a dozen people we call on now to give us advice. And that's leading us toward a successful outcome. Many thanks to Richard Portalance for explaining the journey of Career Path Mobile. And thanks again to Nelson Merchant at the Connecticut Small Business Development Center for introducing me to his client. You can find out more about Rich's company at careerpathmobile.com. Thanks to Bortex for music, our theme is by Orchestral Movement of 1932. Small Business as Usual is presented by the Community Economic Development Fund, a nonprofit organization which provides enterprises in Connecticut with term loans, lines of credit, and commercial mortgages when they can't get traditional bank financing. For the sixth year in a row, we're Connecticut's top SBA microlender. We make business term loans at very nominal interest rates as small as a few thousand dollars and larger business loans too from a pool of loan capital provided by many of the state's leading banks. There are geographic and or income qualification requirements for the borrowers. You can find out more about all of this at CEDF.com. And this episode of Small Business as Usual is available there. It's number 19-4. So Rich, did you know that you can listen to Small Business as Usual on iTunes, Google Play Music, and other podcast platforms? If you could put it on my mobile device, it'd be terrific.